Welcome, my loves. Welcome back to the party, the listening party with Adam and Mike. Hello. Party 20, no less. We remain humbly men of no consequence through this charade of a podcast we do. Um, so each episode, we take it in turns to uh, bring an album to the party. Um, different genres, different age, time, spaces. Uh, and, and we just, we're going to talk, talk the shit out of it. To squeeze every morsel of enjoyment out of it, and as providence would have it, you come to us at a party where we we have, so I see coming through the smoke machines and lasers. What is our friend Michelle Snow? Hello, hello. Ah, oh, lovely to be here. Thanks for having me on to nerd out about something I love that will probably bemuse everyone listening. Well, that's very much our sort of mo. So yes. don't confound. worry about it. You <laughs> to confound, yeah. yeah. So what what was what's the vibe this week? Well, this party, Michelle. What we what we talking here? Well, I, I it feels like I need to uh, shift blame whilst I introduce this album because I, you, Mike, very kindly said let's get you on uh, the listening party, and I was like absolutely, and I asked what kind of thing would get you the most listeners? Do you think? And you said something proggy. I looked through my music collection and all of the things. If I may, Michelle, I've just got to interrupt at this small juncture to say that I would say a lot of the progier elements have come from my choices. Um, Whose picks have been more successful, Michael? We'll go by numbers, mostly yours. Mostly, it is mostly mine, yeah. I stand very firm in my choices at this party. I feel like I bring a bit of class and variety to this. You also brought Gigi Allen. Whereas you, Clarkson, in your... (laughs) Millet's jacket and your Skoda. As I said, four years away from Regime at best. Yeah. Sorry. Well, sorry, Michelle, please continue. No, it's all good. I, I guess I was trying to serve your interests, on, uh, Adam, when I was doing this. Like, and you uh, served up a hot slice or something I, slap bang in the middle of I mean, my interests. Don't, don't ingratiate yourself with to. him. I didn't mean to because I was trying to find something, I don't know, maybe something like Marillion or something that I know that you were... Good. I've talked about before. One of our uh, highest rated episodes, yes. Yeah. But I couldn't find anything really that was that stood out that would be known. And then I said to Mike, I can't find anything. And he was like, well, just uh, whatever you want. And I was like, well, if you give me full reign, I will bring the weird concept album rock opera based on a dystopian take of the video game series Mega Man. And Mike was like, well, that's an episode. And I was like, fair enough. That's it. You've done it now. This is happening. So yes, absolutely. Yes. I'm bringing to the party the Proto Men Act 2, which is the second act in this rock opera. It's an album. The Father of Death. Yes, The Father of Death. And it's a very, very broad story. I'll very quickly go over Act 1. Well, I deliberately did not read the story because I thought that was the coward's way out. So <laughs> what I've attempted to do is decipher the story with zero research. How did I go? Uh, not well. Um, certainly the story's reasonably clear for the first five songs and then everything grows hazy and mysterious, mysterious. until yes. there's the Bruce Springsteen homage 
which is towards the end, which I did not care for. But I really liked lots of it. Yeah, well, the this is the problem that I've had because I love musicals, like, as a thing. I love them. But this is the issue where I can't mm. afford to go to every musical I would want, so I'm relying on the cast recording. And the cast recording isn't going to get the full plot. And I've had the same... I had a similar problem with the Proto Men because they are essentially... This is essentially a cast recording of a musical... But many of the singers in the band play multiple parts, which makes it very confusing. And yes, also, yes, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it really does. Um, and also, in the CD, you get the liner notes, which sort of explain the plot. And in this day of streaming, which is where I found it on like Spotify, it just doesn't have that. So you, it's totally incomprehensible unless you are someone like me, who's just like, I got to go look this up. But to bring the story up to speed when it comes to Act 2, in Act 1, essentially the story is there is Dr. Light, who is fighting to free the city, it's just called the city, from the nightmarish dictator Dr. Wily. Now, in the video game series Mega Man, it's all really cuddly and nice and Japanese anime mm. style. There's Dr. Light fighting for good, and Dr. Wily, who's bad with his evil robots. In this, it's all just like Blade Runner 1984, Nightmare Town. Mm. Mm. Dr. Light and Dr. Wily used to be friends. Dr. Wily has basically become Mecha Hitler, essentially, with his army of robots. And Dr. Light builds a robot called the Proto called Proto Man to stop him. Proto Man fails and dies horribly in Act One. And the people could have saved him, the people of the city could have saved him, but they chose not to because they've been beaten down by Dr. Wily for years. So Dr. Light goes off into the wilderness for years. He creates a son called Mega Man. <laughs> with parts he has lying around in his office, which you will want to do when you have failed to save humanity. And Mega Man decides to go and try to save the people again, but meets, but it turns out Proto Man is alive and now fighting for the bad guys. Oh, so Mega yeah. Man, yeah, plot twist. <sighs> also, this is probably one of the first episodes of Listening Party that's probably going to have to come with a bunch of spoiler warnings, like I've just totally spoiled Act 1, and we're going to spoil the shit out of Act 2. I'm but, not going to listen to it now. I mean, I won't lie to you, Michelle, some naysayers would have you believe that we've ruined every album we've ever spoken about. <laughs> so don't worry about it. It's fair. It's a fair cop. I would argue that nothing could ruin Proto Man because I genuinely have a love for this band that is profound and ridiculous considering what they are. But yeah, basically Act 1 ends with Mega Man has killed his brother, Proto Man. The people are completely screwed. Mega Man has lost faith in humanity. Dr. Light is just depressed and horrified. And Act 2 takes place as a prequel to all of this. So this mm. Act 2 is about how Dr. Light oh, and Dr. Wiley God, that makes a lot odds. of sense. <laughs> yeah, I found it interesting. I was like, oh, it's a prequel. <laughs> oh, well, God, that answers an awful lot of questions I had. Did it? Well, yes, because everything Michelle was saying made... Fuck all sense compared <laughs> to a thing that begins with my father worked a badge. <laughs> yeah. Which I enjoy every single time I hear it because it well, it's it's a bit South Park. And that's not that's not a bad thing. To the dude took his life. So if, <laughs> so if we're going into the album now, you're talking about the good doctor, right? The 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 first real song. Well, I mean there's the in the intermission, which is you would say the first real song and the best. But nevertheless, 
I gotta say, I do love. They it. cram a lot of plot into this song. It's brilliant. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a classical. I want. You are right, though. Before we started recording, you've said they are a ludicrous proposition. You're bang right. <laughs> they are utterly preposterous. But I like preposterous stuff. And this was my first take at it was ah, I see Meatloaf has been listening to Nick Cave. And I sort of stand by that, particularly for The Good Doctor. Is it worth just doing a rundown of who, who the proto men are before we go into, like, proper in the album? So I think the current yeah, roster. Thomas Light. The current roster is Raoul Panther III, Murphy Weller, Commander B. Hawkins, Sir Dr. Robert. Bolker, shock, ah, shock magnum, gambler Kirk Douglas. Kirk Douglas is one word. Uh, Reanimator and Kilroy. A special mention Kilroy. needs to be said for someone who is listed as a former member on Wikipedia, but that's not quite true. A Turbo Lover, mm-hmm. who is on this album playing Doctor Wiley. Like when you hear Doctor Wiley's voices coming from him, he's still kind of in the band. He just doesn't tour anymore. Oh, right. so he will be returning for Act Three to play Doctor Wiley in that. But, oh shit! But the I guess the, the so he's the one with the higher pitched voice, right? Yes. Yeah. So I've got this down. One who though, Light believes that uh, basically people are good and can be redeemed, and he thinks, well, they're not. Basically, yeah. So Broadly, to make yeah. this easier for the listeners, I kind of got a sort of uh, don't make things easier for them. Make them work. <laughs> I, I want people to come away from this and check out the Proto Men and love them because genuinely they have been very helpful to me over the last 12 months. And also they're kind of stuck in this world of video game culture where they do a lot of like conventions and stuff. But mm. I think these people should be doing stadiums. And I mean that seriously. Like I think they surpass the scene that they come from. And to make you can easy- imagine a stadium full of the type of misfits that are going to want to go and say that. That's, yeah. that's a hell of a lot of people yeah, that, I mean, aren't, that will not talk to one another in the auditorium. Well, <laughs> you say that, but then like in nerd culture, I've never, I've not gone that deep into it. I love nerd stuff. And, you know, I love all of the things that make the proto men what they are. So they kind of, I'm the perfect fan for them. But in those spaces, people are really cool to each other. Because it's like, oh, you like this awesome thing too. I do too. And in the real world, I'm surrounded by people who have no idea what this stuff is and think that I'm weird for loving it. Whereas here, it's normal. And that's a very accepting space. Like, I'm a transgender woman and I've been in these spaces. And the trans thing doesn't come up because they're more, more interested in like, oh, have you, have, so you, you, have you played Fallout 4? Do you like that? That's the, that's the focus. And so it's these... This would seem to be the sort of opposite place to mention your exciting weekend, Michelle, because didn't oh, it kick God. off? Michelle's Michelle, we should say, is the one of the hosts of popular trans issues podcast, What the Trans, and you had a fun weekend. <laughs> fun weekend on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, it kind of transcended t- Twitter to a point, but here's the story of what happened. So I got What the Trans as a podcast is, is a news thing for trans people like i've done journalism i've sort of fell into a back since six years ago and a few years ago i realized oh there's a gap here for news interpreted by trans people for trans people like you've got the lgbt websites and stuff but you don't really have anything focused on trans people as a business plan not a great one because tr- trans people make up less than a percent of the population 
but it's been a wild ride and people seem to have really taken it up and i'm grateful every day like it's not huge but it's well it's got to the point now where if i go up to somebody at a trans event and say hello i'm michelle i do this thing called what the trans they will have probably heard of it if not listened to it that's really remarkable though yeah. I'm so happy with it. It gives me life, this whole thing. But we get when it gets to the story of the weekend, we get a bunch of like anti-trans nightmares sending, you know, crap all the time. It's just sort of a low-level background radiation thing. At this point, does nothing to me. Mm. But one of these people sent over an article written by former comedy writer of Father Ted, mm. Black Books, The IT Crowd, and other things, who's written about me. Incredible. It is um, a remarkable thing, is it not, that one of the creators of Father Ted has knows who you are and has taken the time to write something that I haven't read, but I presume excoriates you. Well, I haven't read it, but I know roughly what it's about because mm. I have been investigating a certain story and I was seeking out essentially whistleblowers. And the how whistleblowers work, and people don't really know or understand this, is you find a whistleblower and if they tell you things, you can protect them from the story. Hmm. So, for example, if someone is part of a company that dumps a load of shit in a lake near a town, yeah, you if they are a whistleblower, you have to protect their identity. You don't have to include them in the story. That's kind of the deal. So I was looking for those people about a certain thing. And basically, it didn't go that well. So they took the direct messages I sent to them, sent them to Graham Linehan, and he wrote up something that's probably calling me an abusive paedophile or whatever. When I was actually trying to find out dirt about abuse being committed by anti-trans people. Mm. That, I th- that is probably what he wrote about, but I can't be sure because I'm not reading the fucking thing. I'm not giving that clown any of my time. But anyway. He is a class act, isn't he? But the kicker of this whole thing is I then, today, decided I'm going to look this up and kind of get a feel for what he's written about me by not reading it but just sort of scrolling down and i realized he wrote the post about me about a month ago and i didn't notice like nothing came of it he wrote this thing this big powerful man with this bafta award-winning writer and nothing happened it took a month for me to realize about it which just shows how like because years ago because he's the father ted guy if he said something the mail or the telegraph would have reported on it. Now, yeah. not even the people he's targeting know that they've been targeted by him. Like, ah, oh, there's this whole... And it was a very weird thing to be thinking, well, here's, here's the thought that really screwed me up on the Saturday when I found it out. If you told me 10 years ago that the Father Ted guy would be writing about me, I would have mm. called the police and said, you need to go to get mental health assistance in some way. Being trans and having any kind of platform is fucking weird is the takeaway from this story. That's all I can say. It's been the weirdest ride doing this podcast and I love it. I love being able to get information out to the community and doing my part. I see it as that me trying to do my part for my community, which has been under attack for years but sometimes some really, really weird shit happens. And this is definitely one of them. It's... What? Why? <laughs> I know. Like There the are best... so few of you, with the greatest of respects. 
I yes, just... there's not that many of us. Like no. no, you do wonder what his end game is. What is he actually looking to achieve out of all of it? What's what's his like? Yeah, how will he know something he's happens? <laughs> yeah, I won. At what, what point what, does he go? Ah, job well done. Yeah, <laughs> it's just such a thing for to choose that as your hill to die on of all the things in the world. Yeah, because as we as we I mean as we've all said, but he just had to say nothing. Yeah, he just and he would have kept all of it. Just have no opinion he on could the have, matter. He could have held on to his dreadful views and still held and kept all of it. I mean, I cannot believe some of the stuff that has happened since I went to my friend Ashley, who is the other voice on the podcast, and just said, do you want to do a podcast? Because you, you've done some broadcasty stuff on Manchester local, like, gay TV. And I like talking and, <laughs> and I've done... <laughs> and do I kind of fell into journalism by accident by Pink News giving me time and money to write things for them for a bit when I had no training or experience in either. Shall we try and make a thing? And we were all just like, we were both just like, yeah, maybe 50 people will listen and 40 of those will be our friends, but it'll be fun, you know? Maybe something good for the CV, maybe, and it'll just be fun. And six years later, if you put the graft in, you will be asked to guest on a small... <laughs> <laughs> Music focused nonsense pod. Oh God, hey, I'd I dare I've, to dream out thirty or forty listeners of our friends. Oh, I mean, you say that. It's Grey's mom, come on! I, I was so complimented <laughs> when I was asked because you know, I this is awesome. Like, well, you do fall into the, the shortlist of someone we knew at university. So, <laughs> <laughs> not, not just anybody can come on here. Oh no, no, no! I feel privileged to be here, and I genuinely mean that. Well, we very know cool that thing. people, so you know, you're welcome. Yeah, <laughs> thank Please. you for having me on, and thank you for giving the my weird album choice some time to move back to the main pop, uh, subject. It's our pleasure. This. No, it so, is, and honestly, it was a genuine pleasure to listen to, and um, it's one of those we that I've been trying to extol the virtues of to my other half because. She, for reasons best known to herself, has a burning love for meatloaf. And as a result of huh. that, I feel she will really dig this. I wouldn't put her down as a meatloaf lover, knowing no, the other music doesn't... she listens to. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't totally work. I mean, well, certainly, has there's, no, there's no consistency. This is her outlier. Yeah, mm. like everyone has an outlier band that just. Naughty's hip hop, the twang, the stereophonics, and meatloaf. <laughs> Ugh, you said words there. I, mm. Yeah, I said an awful lot of stuff, didn't I? Mm. I mean, like, what's your outlier? If I had to ask you two what your musical taste outlier was, what would it be? I mean, I'm pretty consistent. M mine's quite clear for all, but um, I don't see us now. It's Simply Red. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Fucking love Simply Red. You really, really do. I really do. I own stars on four different media. And I will fight to the death your right to enjoy Simply Red. Thank I you. genuinely would. Now, if I'd said I love Van Morrison, especially his latest warbling, <laughs> a bit more troubling, or Eric Clapton. I don't I heard... think I've ever listened to either of them for any period of time. Oh, God, Eric stop. Bo both yeah. of them stop in the mid-70s. Stop. Yeah, I mean, you'll be happier for it. Over the last year, I've been, obviously like everyone, there's been COVID, which has been a nightmare itself, but also 
for personal reasons, things have been quite tumultuous in my life. There's some things I would go into and some things I won't. Like I got diagnosed with ADHD and that definitely explained a whole bunch of weird shit from my life. But also as a trans person during COVID, when the government were making a lot of moves towards limiting our ability to leave the house. And that's absolutely what happened over the last summer that a lot of people will have missed. Liz Truss was signaling mm. that she was going to ban trans people from certain public spaces. And that was something that hung over the trans community for about three months in the summer during the first lockdown. So it was very much Jesus like a Truss is trying to make lockdown for us permanent. We can't do anything about it because we're stuck at home through the pandemic. I mean, genuinely, a traumatic time. So the proto-men <laughs> I have known about for a few years since I worked in a video game shop, a retro video game shop, and a customer said, oh, you should check these people out. And I was like, ah, oh, you know, I'm not really that into, like, you know, bands based on video games because I listened to a few and they weren't really my thing. But I listened to this lot and they definitely stuck with me. Then I didn't listen to them for a few years. And then I went back to the proto-men during this period of real dark trans news and real dark pandemic life. And there was a lot for me to relate to in the themes of the songs. And I respond to big, fat, juicy themes. Like I love musicals for that reason. I love metal for that reason. I love punk for that reason. I love the Marvel Cinematic Universe for that reason, because say you want about the MCU, they got big, fat human stories about good v. evil yeah. and the, the struggles of trying to be good in an imperfect world. Very simplistic and Disney-fied terms, but that's what's there. So this was very much my roadhouse and kind of uh, basically the story of Dr. Light in this was something I could resonate with heavily all the way through on a personal level. And also, it's fucking rad, and I love it because it's so <laughs> silly and ridiculous. So like with the first few songs, like you've got the Good Doctor, Father of Death, they're sort of setting the scene of Dr. Light's guilt and horror at being talked into switching on the robots in the city that Dr. Wiley would go on to use to take it over and be robot Hitler about. So does that help explain what the Good Doctor and Father of Death are about to you two? Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's... that's track one and two i mean it, it, it is odd how it opens with intermission considering it's a prequel well it's act two of the rock opera you see so the first oh. act is act one and that is proto man mega man having a big old fight in the city mm. that has already been taken over act two is a story of how the city is taken over well see narratively i wouldn't enjoy that as a theater yeah experience. yeah i think if i was to watch that and go oh it's act two the prequel to everything we've just seen so so this evening's four and a half hours, is it? <laughs> I'd be a tad frustrated. Yeah. Could you could you swap them round? Oh, you couldn't. Oh, I see. <laughs> just they ask just, me. They just did a live DVD. Well, it's not a DVD anymore. They don't really do that. Like a live video of a whole concert they did in Tennessee, where they come from. Mm. Well, they actually did do Act 2 stuff first and then Act 1 stuff. But then also Makes kind sense. of ended with Act 2 stuff. But, oh, God, a live, a live Proto-Men show. Like, they put the helmets on, they act out the parts. Like, it's not like a musical theatre experience. It is still a rock gig. But they, they don't fuck around. Like, they've got robot people the idea that you Because this is fiendishly complex music in parts. The idea that during playing this, they go, pop on the helmet. To anybody that isn't currently playing a devilish solo is baffling, but also hugely admirable. Yeah, I would encourage everyone to go and like buy the live, buy the stream or buy the file of 
their live gig that just came out like late last year. I mean, I bought it and I've been watching it. It's kind of a thing I watch after a long, heavy day of trans news to try and pick me up again because it's so over the top and absurd. Like you get lots of fist pumping, like light up the night and things like that all the way through. So it's it's a party. And I, can dig. I really miss musicals. I really miss live gigs and it's definitely filling a hole in my life. Oh. One, one of the quotes I came across from Panther preferred that I did enjoy was uh, in 2009, he remarked, at the time we noticed a void in rock and roll. Uh-huh. A, hole, a hole that could only be filled with grown men and women pointing, painting up like robots and playing some fierce and furious rock music based on a 1980s video game. We were fairly certain no one else was going to fill that hole, but by God, it's filled now. You can thank <laughs> us later. I Not enjoy, known for I his modesty, this panther. <laughs> I mean, there is a lot to enjoy there, isn't there? I enjoy his candor. <laughs> yeah. And they they draw their influence from Radiohead, Styx, Toto, Queen, and Alabama, and films like Eddie and the uh, Cruisers, God, I can't get my words out, and Streets of Fire, which is a belter of a film. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't surprise me. I've not heard that quote before. I would have put their influences as Bruce Springsteen, Meatloaf, kind of Blade Runner and 1984, and, oh, God, I don't even know what else. Like, that's how I explain it to people. Yeah, a lot of Nick Cave in there. A lot if of Nick Cave. You, if you ever heard of a band called Murder by Death, they're kind of more of a bluesy, uh, folky version of Proto Men. So, I mean, I'm going to check them out the second this, we're finished. Because that's like the best recommendation ever. Yeah, no, I mean, if it was a bluesy, a folky version, I think you'd be taking some of the the overwrought power away from this. Would be my fear. I mean, yeah, it's not as bombastic. Uh, yes, yeah, it's not as uh, yeah, arena sounding. Some of this, but I mean, uh, him screaming guilty would not not be as powerful if it was accompanied by a ukulele. I mean, yeah, I mean, what is did you um understand like the story of the trial and stuff? Because I could try and summarize. Oh, yeah, I I, I got it. Well, I thought you've got a man, um, father (laughs) worked the mines, you may remember. Yeah, father Um, worked the mines, (laughs) so good. The dude took his life. Don't, it does sound a little bit like does sound a little bit like foreigners. I want to know what love is. Gonna yeah. take a little time. Well, the Good Doctor is a classic "I Want" song, and like in musicals, it's usually the first or second song where all of the main players sort of establish what they want and what the barriers are. So the Good Doctor is very much Doctor Light going, "I want to stop the situations where my father, like my father, died in the mines. I want to make sure that people don't die in the mines. So we're gonna get I'm these going robots to do, that to do the job by learning how to burn steel." How to make it move. Sure, that's like that's the do you want to build a snowman protocol. <laughs> Precisely. Hmm. But covered in steel. Yeah. Because that can survive all the horrors that you put men through. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I, I know it's silly, but I'm gonna defend I, this album to the death, goddammit. <laughs> pretend that I'm not going to do that a lot because I sat in my car for about three days on the bus going, learn how to be in steel, how to make a move. Really enjoying myself as well. I really like. I think the first half of this this record is such a lot of fun. I enjoyed the hell out of it. I think it does dip, but God, the first bit is great. All the hills put me in true. It is odd, great considering this is Act Two of a, a grander story. The album itself has acts in it, so it's actually an album of two yes. halves because it then. Halfway through, it then jumps to the future. So, does the future element of this album 
yeah. Is that, so, is that the sequel to part one, or is that still prequel town? It's still prequel town. So I can go oh. through. Uh, let me go through the uh, basic plot song by song, and then we can do oh, whatever the hell you before want. Before you do the plot, right? Well, what I didn't understand. So I got the plot basically all the way through. I, it starts to get a little bit hazy around the hounds. Yeah. And I cannot for the life of me work out who the hell Emily is. Okay. Emily. Or how she's involved. All right, I can answer that. I know that. I think one. I can be quite I could be I'll be as brief as possible. So the good doctor, Dr. Light and Dr. Wiley are going to turn on the machines so the robots will come out and start working for the people. Light has doubts. Wiley's like, "Yeah, well people are a bit shit. We can't trust them." And Light's like, "Well, we can." And that sort of so Light is the one who ultimately turns on the robots in Father of Death. Light is traveling home to see Emily, his partner and lover. Emily. And he has doubts. He has tremendous doubts about what he's done. He's just like, what have I unleashed on the city? Wiley is already at Emily's house with a robot saying, you should run away with me. Light's a dick and I'm amazing. And Emily's like, you know, (laughs) no, Light is what every man should be. So Wiley murders her via the robot. And so, sorry? Told you he was a beast. Yeah, Wiley's a dick. Oh, you think Graham Lennon's a dick? Oh, no, he's nothing compared to Dr. Wiley. Dr. Wiley's the worst. Look, I'll say this for Graham Linehan. To the best of my knowledge, he has yet to devise a sort of combat robot. <laughs> Admittedly, he may, be, he may be closer than we think. I don't it might know. be his next GoFundMe. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, uh, the robot that can fire aggressive tweets. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Graham, if you happen to be listening to this, if you are that obsessed with me, please, please don't try and build a robot. You'll only hurt yourself. And also, what the fuck are you doing here? You weirdo. Why are you so obsessed with me? But anyway. Do you want to build a robot? <laughs> Actually, I mean, what we didn't tell you is that Graham Linehan is one of our 19 listeners and <laughs> we've, we've invited you here <laughs> to stage a reproachment. Graham, come in. Oh, He's not God. Here. Well, thanks for that. <laughs> Not like he hasn't messed up my weekend or enough already. <laughs> but yeah, so we get. Yes, to the he house. is here. He does want to make peace with you, but he hates the proto men. Hated oh. it. And so we will I think be on some level, the discussion of the album I, now. I think on some level, I'm more angry about that than his hatred of trans people. That's a joke. Uh, trans people who may have uh, followed over from what the trans. Obviously, that's a joke. You're very we welcome to stay to afterwards house, as well. You, sorry. You're very welcome to stay yeah, afterwards. Do, as do well. stick around. <laughs> oh yeah, I, this podcast great people. If you're having a follow over for what the trans, I mean these guys are great, and so keep listening. Thanks. But when we get to the house to answer your question, Adam, um, the Hounds is basically a, a, a press conference by Doctor Wiley, where he is framing Doctor Light for the death of Emily. So Emily. Wiley has killed Emily because he's a asshole who wanted to run away with her, and if he can't have her, no one can because misogynistic asshole. Yeah. So he's basically saying to them, right, we're going to hunt down Dr. Light. He's the worst. He's murdered this woman that you'll remember in the song. They say, what was her name? And he says, it doesn't matter. It gives me chills that moment. because it I love shows- that. It doesn't yeah. matter. <laughs> yeah, he's, he just he gives me chills because he, he just shows how a reprehensible dickhead he is. So eventually in the state of versus Thomas Light, the next song, Light returns to the scene of the murder because he's so overwrought and horrified and he gets caught. Light blames himself and is essentially welcoming being executed at the court but has somehow found not guilty. 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 That's what all that's about. Really enjoyed that. Give us the rope is basically light being chased out of the city by the people. 
So give us the, the rope is an absolute banger as well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's so good. I mean, I'm going to say about every song. I love every song on this without exception. Then you get how the world fell under darkness, which is a soundscape. Whereas why? And this is basically kind of where the plot moves forward. So what you, you were talking about, Mike, with the it, time jump. This it does a bit of a there will be blood and just goes ahead all of a sudden. Yeah, it goes ahead a few years. It's still pre-Act One, but it's still. Of course. But it, it is a time jump of some. Oh, I'm, I'm checking my watch now in that theatre. <laughs> How much longer has it got? God. I, I guess if this was a musical, this would be the scene where it would be a lot of dancers going on, sort of playing out that the robots slowly take over the city, the people become more oppressed and lose more freedoms, and it becomes more nightmarishly Orwellian over time. And then you cut to Breaking Out, which is a song from the perspective of mm. Joe, who's a new character to the whole thing. He's decided to break out the city because it's bullshit. But he's been sort of chased yeah. by... He's got his copy of Born to Run. He's got a motorcycle. <laughs> Don't turn your back on the city. Yeah, exactly. That's the vibe that they... That, that is the song. But he's being chased by the same robot that killed Emily at this oh. point. Ah... So in Keep Quiet, Joe is trying to keep quiet from this robot that killed Emily. And ultimate, and, and, and in the end, Wiley steps Kind of an out. on the nose title there, is it? <laughs> yeah, they aren't subtle. The protoman are not subtle. Wiley steps out and kills the robot, saving Joe's life. So now Wiley and Joe are together. They've got this dead robot that they are going to use for the next plan that is acted out in Light Up the Night, my favorite song. On Sorry, the just checking. Is it Wiley or Light at this point? Oh, I may have got the names mixed up. This is Light and Joe yeah. are together fighting Wiley. Oh, in good. The city. That makes more sense. Yeah. <laughs> Why is the hero Joe <laughs> getting the evil Wiley to murder people? Because he's so charming. It's not clear. You won't be surprised that my podcast goes through a significant edit for this very reason. <laughs> because we're talking about laws and stuff and politicians, and I get all of that stuff mixed up all the time. But yeah, uh, in Light of the Night, Joe and Light have come up with a plan using parts of the dead robot to infiltrate the big tower where all of the robots are controlled and blow it up. So Joe's going to use the robot helmet to get past security to break in and free the city of the robots while Light hunts down Wily to kill him once all of the... Yes, exactly. Problem is, in the next song... Dressing as a robot to infiltrate robots. Yeah. That's funny. I'm well, just imagining some kind of Muppet scenario. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There is a I think we video all that they made of What Light of the Night, which is essentially a short film portraying how this happened. And it's, interestingly enough, starring James Ransome, from, who plays Ziggy in season two of The Wire. <laughs> yeah. Which is a wonderful thing. I love that that exists. But <laughs> then at the top of Light of the Night, Joe gets to the top of the tower and realizes it's a trap. And there's a bomb set that Wiley knew this was happening. Oh. And why, that's the reason why Wiley sent this robot after Joe, because he knew kind of yeah. that this was going to be the plan. So Joe gets blown off out of the top of the building. And that is what the fall is. The fall is Joe falling to his death. Then you come Freak. to the final song of the album, which is like totally bereft, just like the plan's not worked. Everything I've tried to do has ended up with people dying and suffering. I'm going to kill myself. Then he opens up the final letter that was ever sent to him by Emily, his lost love. Emily. Who's basically saying, you know, Thomas, please don't cry for me. The city needs you now. The city needs you now. And that's how the album ends. So that's the rough plot. So Did how long he... all of your questions? Yeah. How long was he carrying that letter for? Pretty much the whole time for years and years. And I years. mean, just curiosity. Would it, 
It would have got a better than me long before that. That's well, my issue yeah. with so many films that say like, ah, oh, your dead mother gave me this letter for you when you were 18, but I'm going to give it to you now. You haven't read it. At no point have you opened that and read it. I'm not sure read I steamed it open. Before she was dead. Well, I mean, the way, the, what I took from the text was that he just felt so guilty and responsible for Emily's death, he couldn't face it. Right up until his darkest moments when he's about to go. You know, that's how I read it. Although oh, yeah, am... just one thing to put me over the line here. Just to... <laughs> yeah, you there know, so like, sometimes you need the lines, though. I, the, the, I genuinely, even though this is based on a video game, I think the fact that it's seemingly done entirely straight-faced is really oh, yeah. admirable and enjoyable. And I, I like some it. of... I, yeah, I really like a lot of the lyrical content to it as well. The uh, what was the bit that I really really liked? Oh yeah, you underestimated the character of man. <laughs> oh, I'm realizing he's slowly turning into a sort of bad impression of Sam Elliott, but I'm <laughs> happy with it. <laughs> yeah, it should Just be said as well. Bad, they're working hands. The, the overall sound, certainly at the first half of the album, is very much spaghetti western, cinematic, Ennio Morricone yes. style. Yeah, even just intermission opening up is just a guitar solo. It sounds like it's somewhere between Desperado and Edge of Darkness. Yeah, I, I think at that point they're just thematically setting the scene of a man who, in light, in, in regards to light, he has un, he's unleashed this on the city. Like you could say that he was taken in by Wiley's lies, but Light, a good man, has assisted in ruining thousands of lives, millions of lives. But Michelle, they will build cities in a day. <laughs> I can't remember. They the cover up the site. We will build towers to the heavens. Man was not built for such a height. We will <laughs> be heroes. We will build heroes. Oh, I love it so much. I mean, I'm not going to be able to contribute much when it comes to like a musical analysis, except I love this to death. <laughs> That's going to be probably where you two have to come in and do uh, your, yeah. your thing. No, no, that really no. is all we need. Yeah, <laughs> you're good. I, lo- I do like the fact that the good doctor has the sound of that constant hitting steel sound, which for me actually conjures up Johnny Cash's John Henry. About John Henry constructing the uh, the railroads. Yeah, I've not thought of it that way before, but yeah. That, yeah. And now I just I'm always taken away by the themes of things. Like when I'm listening to like a musical album, like it's always like little lyrics here or there that really get me. That's what I really love musicals. Like um, this is a weird example to bring up, but Moana. My favorite line in that, which is not the one that people really remember, is "I am everything I've learned and more. Still, it calls me." And that's a moment when Moana is really, really fucked. And she's now coming back and realizing that she's actually got some game. And Mm. I took a lot of, I took something from that. And Proto-Men Act 2 is packed full of moments like that. All the way through of just like, right, I'm going to pick myself, dust myself off, and we're going to try and do something about this, even though everything's been wrong and horrible. And in my own life, I've had a lot of those experiences over the last year like i think a lot of people have just like oh god everything's dark and gone a bit wrong mm. you got to try and find a way to get back up and that's what i responded to and this whole album all the way through which is why it's probably been the most listened to album uh, the album i've most listened to all the way through covid19 really mm. and it's a it's a dystopian concept album based on mega man <laughs> yeah and the good doctor yeah, i understand how absurd that this robots. sounds 
I like the fact, now I know it's about robots, the fact that it's got the sort of industrial Old West noise the whole way through. The mm. fact that you imagine somebody in like a leather duster and a very big hat, but he's actually building a small Japanese-style robot. That's <laughs> even funnier, I think, now. Well, it's, you can enjoy it in, in both ways. You can enjoy it as a laugh at how ridiculous it is, or you can take it entirely at face value. And I kind yeah. of do both at the same time. Yeah, I, think I, I feel like it. if they were going to film it, they should do it sort of like Who Friend Roger Rabbit, where all of the robots are small and animated. Or, you know, you could do it more straight-faced, like the rest of the music would suggest. Whatever, whatever. I'm not going to make it. God, I hope someone does make this as, like, you know, a musical. Like, this I mean, you totally could, work. Mike, I suppose. So Les than Aronofsky would charge. Oh, I could give you a well, yeah. Do it in black and white, maybe. <laughs> oh, please do. Just bit of stock oh. footage. Bit of Adobe Animate, bit of a small clips of small films, yeah. There's not, the weekend, money. There's not a lot of money in trans news, but you will have it. I can give you all of it. I would I would give you all of my money to make that happen. Money's never been an issue for me, my friend. <laughs> I'll throw any old shit out. <laughs> and call it art. The Good Doctor is a good six minutes long. And oh, I'd say, unusually for me, I'd say not long enough. I was going to say, musically, it kind of gets in what it needs to early on and then just kind of keeps going a little bit for me. Yeah, until it ends and people screaming, my father's battle will be won, which is so fucking exultant. Yeah, that's one of those moments. Like, it, a really good I Want song will basically pass over a lot of information and emotional thematic stuff in a couple of lyrics. Like, um, Hamilton, probably the one that most people have heard at this point. That they've got a really good I Want song when it comes to I'm um, not going to throw away my shot. And also Alexander Hamilton, the opening number, where he's just like, I, I've got a lot riding on this and I want to leave a decent legacy and all of this other stuff. And Good Doctor does the same job with those lyrics. That's what it's about. And then Father of Death comes in and that stuff when uh, Emily's saying, no, light is everything a man should be. That just gives me chills yeah. every time. It's just so... Like you just immediately understand the, the level of play. <laughs> you understand exactly what's going on, apart from if you don't read up all of the notes like I do, because I'm a massive nerd. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I mean, the uh, father of death has mariachi horns. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does, yeah. <laughs> Good, strong mariachi Good, strong horn. And I think his voice here, uh, Padden, for I should say, his voice, I thought it was going a little bit Justin Hawkins sounding. Probably that, that level of screeching and bellowing. Really? Yeah. Also, yeah. that guy has range. Yeah. He yeah, plays no, he really Dr. Light and Joe in this. He's got two parts. Where And Turbo yeah. Lover plays Dr. Wilde, as I said, and Gambler Kirk Douglas plays Emily and the human choir. So whenever you hear a choir, that's her going yeah. through like a thing, a, a, a music tech thing. Uh, the device. Yeah, no, he really does have range though, because he, there's all of that business there. And then he sings like that and then it goes all the way up, and but with a tremendous amount of power as well. Mm. I am yeah, imagining just an absolute ox of a man. In my head, he's nearly 10 feet tall. I assume that that's true. I have no evidence either way, so I assume it's true. For some reason, in my head, he looks like Greg Proops. 
Like at this this point in the story, I believe this is basically the point where he is uh, arguing for him saving humanity just before he realizes he's about to kill his brother in Act One. I mean, it opens with the sound of the future. Yeah, Act One sounds very different from Act Two. Because Act One is a more scuzzy, like, garage rock influence thing. Because the idea is that Wiley's society has gone on a bit. So it's a bit post-apocalyptic at this point. Like this show. Yeah, so you were saying, Adam, that, like, the album lulled for you in the second half. Whereas, Mike, you would, like, it, it, you preferred the second half. I find that really interesting. Like you, but it's not a massive shock to me that Mike prefers the second half because I would say that the second half is much more synth heavy. Yes, that's exactly um, right. Yeah, and a couple of those songs begin with very much your vibe, Mike. There was just an awful lot of noises, and I thought, as I was driving home, I thought, I'll "Tell you for fucking free, you'll enjoy this song more than me." And that's old Dickinson over there. I think for me, the first. The first half, which you, if you could well, cut down the middle, kind of segues around how the world fell under darkness. It, it's very narrative driven to the point where yes. the, the music almost is irrelevant. And Absolutely at, not. At times, not a lot really happened. A bit like the State versus Thomas Light. It's very slow and gothic, but there's actually a lot going on musically. So for me, it doesn't work as a standalone song. It's very much see, part of the In many ways, part of the reason I thought the second half started to, not, not fail at all, but certainly splutter a little bit, was because I missed the narrative. I thought when I stopped thinking about this record as a record like, you know, 12 independent songs and started thinking of it as a stage show, yeah. it made a lot more sense and I enjoyed it a lot more. And I think the first half was the stronger half because it really, it ties together so beautifully. And it's only when the narrative, I think, starts to become tricky to distinguish that I found my levels of interest waning. You know how you naturally fall into like listening to certain songs more than others? I, I forced myself to just listen to the second half today and did not enjoy the experience half as much as him talking about how he see he dreamt he saw a tower of metal from which he saw the destruction of man yes <laughs> yes please uh yeah i was just gonna say well, the, the first half something i definitely do really enjoy is the hounds uh yeah. there's yes. just a lot of fun with the hounds with scar reggae horns Yes. Um, that, I beat, thought... that beat, it definitely makes my foot tap makes me want to do this, like dance. That's the Strictly Come Dancing music you've just done there. <laughs> oh, good God. <laughs> I've never even watched a bloody thing. But there's a big sort of, there's a, The Hounds has got a, a driving sort of 70s, it's a glam rock stomper, I thought The Hounds was. Mm. Yeah, it's a bit more agency to it than the songs preceding it. Yeah. Because yeah. it got... is a chase song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of... It's, I mean, to go back to, like, a comparison, another comparison with Hamilton would be that Hounds is kind of like where the King of England comes out. It's a complete tonal shift. So the best bit in the show. <laughs> I, I, I loved Hamilton. That's a con- I really, that's a controversial really loved statement. It, but I thought that he was fucking great. Yeah. And I, mean, I thought, do you know what? More of him, please. And then he's, he's barely in it. 
Yeah, I mean, the way that it works in Hamilton, I thought, was that, like, he's essentially a psychopath, this guy. So he's coming out and just being completely, like, oppressive, psychopathic, and hilarious. Oh, and the house kind of functions... I thought it was very much a sort of a salute to empire and the patriarchy, which I approved of wholeheartedly. <laughs> well, just when he's saying stuff like, and I will kill your friends and family... If you defy my love, tra la 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 la, it's just absurd. I kind of think that's what the Hounds is trying to do. But the Hounds came like this album came out years before Hamilton was even a glint in Lin Manuel Miranda's eyes. But I think the Hounds and the songs by the King and Hamilton are kind of thematically similar. I think that's how it functions in Act Two. It's a big call, Michelle. I mean, with this, it's kind of a tradition in theatre as well, isn't it, of having like the villain come out and be a little bit charming and do a bit of a funny song. I'm thinking a bit like, um, um, is it Godspell, Jesus Christ Superstar, where the devil's in it, or King Herod, and he basically does almost like a, a vaudeville drag number. Um, i trying to remember which one it is now, just to back up my point. But yeah, this one is just a case of like, it's the villain of the piece having a bit of fun releasing yeah. the hounds. And in, th in this case, it's Dr. Wiley being like, I'm really enjoying framing my former friend after I've murdered his his lover. <laughs> Which is so dark and horrible when I put it in terms like that. That's a horrible thing. But, you know. Uh, and it, another it, song... It, it slaps. Yeah, and there's another song that conjured for me is Baby Please Don't Go by Van Morrison. <laughs> I really need to listen to Van Morrison. Seriously, late 60s, 70s stuff bangs and then just, just move on with your life. I will do. I'll people will tell you that people will tell you that Astral Weeks is one of the greatest records ever made. I don't see it myself. I'm more of a Vid on Fleece like man myself. Quite, quite pleasant wallpaper music, and there are pockets of the internet that will have me hanged for saying that. Well, you see, this is the difference between us. I think is that I, I hear a, a band I like, I love it. I don't really go into that much academic analysis of it i just I love it as a yeah, fan whereas you two required. really take um your enjoyment of music quite seriously like you both own vinyl i'm pretty sure and listen to vinyl regularly i've got a spotify account like i can see your your vinyl collection in the background <laughs> on the zoom mike like mm -hmm. i listen to these on spotify and all music goes into two categories this does nothing for me and this is amazing there is no middle ground with me. You mean you don't obsessively catalogue popular culture? Strange. That's got that length. Then, I mean, if you didn't have all of your possessions on your wall, how would people know what you liked? <laughs> well, I, I have I have possessions that show what I like. I'm surrounded by four plastic Mario figures as I record this. I have a a, a toad. See, were we to meet, I would know to strike a conversation about Mario and friends. Yeah, I mean, like, look, I've got... Mario and the gang. I've just got <laughs> Nintendo shit all around me on my desk. I'm, I'm showing to people who are listening, I am showing a Mario figure on the to Zoom. Mario, no, That's in, what in, a, in a little cart, I imagine, a quite, from quite a popular game where he drives around a circuit of some kind of different scenario. If only we had some way of knowing what that game was called. Oh, you know. <laughs> uh, someone will have done a whole Wikipedia on it, I'm sure. We can uh, get obsessed with after. Ah, I like a good wiki. I'm surprised that nobody seems to have done one on Proto Man, really, that has gone really in-depth on things. Like, they've got a rabid fan base that is obsessive and dedicated. I'm very surprised that there doesn't seem to be a wiki 
on every character and on every theme like this needs mm. to be with everything else that exists maybe we should start one the three of us maybe that's what we should do after this what do you think do you want to start a wiki with me mine would mostly be questions which i don't think is the point of a wiki yeah that's more of a forum thing if they still yeah. exist <laughs> it would just be you putting down facts me going but why or just questioning all things yeah, I mean, the two of you could do that. I'll just go on my phone in the background. That's fine. You know, on it. So if we're, if we're putting this in a Goodwill hunting terms, you'll be the Ben Affleck of the writing partnership. That's absolutely correct, yes. Uh, except that instead of, I don't know, the film Goodwill hunting, uh, it will just be a wiki on Proto Men. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. what At what point do you get too deep into something? Like as a, as a fan, what's the what's the point where you should be like? I should really uh, try and ex- extend my interests. Probably that point. Probably there. I think. Oh, maybe. Did we all enjoy when he screams? I will not be the father of death at the end of the second track because I certainly do. Yeah, I mean, you do keep keep going back to the lyrics of "For Good Doctor." So it's obviously a song. Yeah, you really the like the, the Good Doctor. Doctor. I'm very happy that you now have the good doctor in your life, but there are like 10 other songs on this album, Adam. I know, and I'm talking about the second one. The good the third, the father the of death. One. Yeah, sorry, I don't I wasn't really counting the intermission. But yeah, this is that's from the father of death. About how uh, he did not he may have built the gun, but he didn't pull the trigger. Mountain right, Oppen- metal. Oppenheimer. <laughs> did you enjoy Here Comes the Arm at the end, which very much returns to that style? Like after Joe's uh, blown up. No, no, I definitely did. I just remember thinking eh, it's not quite as good as the first time I heard it. Possibly because Emily's still alive at this point. Yeah, maybe Emily's the uh, maybe Emily's the reason why. Uh, what? Well, Emily's presence in the plot is what worked for you. <laughs> I mean, there is a there is a feminist argument against this album. Like there is a thing called fridging, where a female character is murdered and and uh, that and only murdered to add to a male character's narrative arc and that ah. term fridging came from an issue of the green arrow in like the 80s not the green arrow the green lantern rather uh member of the justice league mace of superman and all of that where he goes home and finds his girlfriend dead in the fridge and the only reason they did that was to basically give him something interesting to do for a few episodes for a few issues of the comic and Emily's kind of fridged in this. So there is a feminist yeah, argument yeah. against the proto-men that I'm bringing to the table. I mean, Act 2, The Father of Death does, I think it's fair to say, comprehensively fail the, the Bechdel test on, oh, yeah. by every single yardstick. Yeah. Everything but the proto-men have done has failed the Bechdel test. <laughs> Don't believe they've they've made any claims otherwise. I was going to say, have they, have they been championing this? And then everyone's got, hang on, hang on. Can a you minute. tell me how many women are there in the original source material of Mega Man? Like one? Is it not? Yeah. Did, did, doesn't yeah. he doesn't he have a girlfriend in it? I, mean, I, I think so. Remember. I don't know that much about Mega Man, like the I classical to, Capcom Mega Man series. I used to play Mega Man Four a lot, and I do remember there being. Uh, a girlfriend of some kind. I mean, I'm going to Google Mega Man's girlfriend, and this this could be a mistake. That could be leading to a whole world of porn there that you do not want to go down. 
oh, safe search, don't let me get let me down. Aha, I've got a picture of Roll, who is Mega Man's girlfriend. Aha. There are also uh female robots who serve as villains in the thing, which Ooh, I'm just okay. reading now. What denotes that they are female robots? Are they pink? Do, are they pink? Do they have some Actually, metallic no, they, hair do, they appear or... to have they appear to have eyelashes. That appears to be the only thing. That's all that's yeah, that that'll do it. That's all they need. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's very dude heavy, I will say. The uh both the pro- the intellectual property owned by Capcom, Mega Man, and Proto Men's take on it. I mean they are the proto men. Yeah. Mm. I think that this is probably the only flaw with uh, I would bring to the table. There are an awful thing. lot of lyrics about um, being a good man and uh, the, the sort of virtues of masculinity that they think mm. seem to believe are essential. Not necessarily a good human. No. Or person. Yeah, but I know what my voice sounds like. I My voice outs me uh, to a certain extent, so listeners may be very confused when I say the words, I am one man, but Here, I could still take a lot from Dr. Light you know, as a woman just being like, well, you know, there's a virtues that he has that I think everyone should try and take on, like a faith in humanity, a belief that they could... Stoicism. Yeah. Optimism. The ability yeah, to bend steel to make in... it move. <laughs> exactly. And there is a need for women to enter into the STEM world. Yes. Uh, to learn how to bend steel and to make it move, we need more women in that in that area. Absolutely. I really did not pay attention to the lyrics as much as you guys have. <laughs> I just Mich- I've listened to it hundreds of say, times. Michelle, admittedly, because you've listened to it a lot, but Adam, so, 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 that's, just, some hard, that's some hard listening you've done. I just really liked it. Come <laughs> God. I mean, there's some absolutely cracking lyrics in uh, "Light of the Night," which is my favourite song on the whole thing. Where it's just things like there is a city that this darkness can't hide. There are the embers of a fire that's gone out, but I can still feel the heat on my skin. And this mess we're in, where you and I, maybe you and I, we can light up the night. Yeah, I'm not good. a singer. You know, like there's some wonderful, there's some wonderful like turns of phrase in the later songs, which are all about like, look, things are things are dark, but we can turn it round. And you can imagine during COVID-19, me, after a day of just reading about how the government are trying to turn on trans people in horrific ways, just being like, we can, we can. I'm going to try and channel Joe and Dr. Light in my thinking about this. I understand how silly this is. Lockdown, lockdown weirdness is a thing that has definitely existed. And I have a very much, I very much had a big, big case of it, which the proto-men were part of. No, whatever songs work for you in terms of just making you feel more empowered. I, I certainly have songs that get me pumped, but, you know, if I said to someone... I listen. I don't listen to every episode, but I do listen. I enjoyed the Purple Rain one, very much so. I, I still haven't listened to Purple Rain. Oh, you must. I know. It's oh, just... you absolutely must. Michelle, I the, the acid test for me was when it was Friday night finish work. I was we were having a drink, my partner and I, and I decided oh, maybe I'll pop on some of the other Prince records. 
and within 10 minutes became quite irritable and fidgety because I realised it wasn't scratching the purple rain itch that I needed it to. So I turned off everything that wasn't purple rain and just listened to it all again. You because get, it is literally that good. You got to get purple rain out of your system before you can move on. You got to listen to it to death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's well, it's. I've just added it to my Spotify, so I will listen to purple oh, it's rain. Faultless. <laughs> this better not ruin the proto med for me by being so good. It reminds me that music can be this good. Because I don't think proto is going to measure up to purple rain. Is that accurate? The thing is, I, I personally uh, enjoyed them both a lot. I think Purple Rain is a legitimate masterpiece, but I think Act Two of the Father of Death is such a lot of fun that Purple Rain will not diminish that. That's True. a good thing. Uh, I should know that Act Three of this ridiculous thing has been in production for over 10 years. Wow. Hell. And it's got to the point where Panther has said in interviews, Every time somebody asks us where Act Three is, we add another year to the production of it. Yeah, this came out in September two thousand nine. Yeah, so. it's been a while. Yeah, apparently all like they are playing songs from it at live shows, and all that's been said about it is it's not going to end well for humanity. Like, what sort of record gonna... sales are they? Are they get? Sorry to interrupt. I'm just baffled by the idea that something as niche as this can be released in 2000. And, when did you say nine or something? Hmm. And then, and then nothing. How is he making a living? Well, they have released things in since they have released cover albums. In the cover up in 2015, they have their live album, Live in Nashville, that came out last year, 2020. They had an album coming out in 2012 that came there. They had an album that came out in 2012. A Night of Queen, where they basically just sing a whole bunch of Queen songs in the style We've of Proto Man. So they most of their albums at this point are covers and live stuff to try and fill the gap while they work on their masterpiece. And it also should be said that these people aren't like full time. They're this. not full time they Proto Men. Yeah, they have side gigs and jobs and families and lives, and they do this. Then they get paid for it. They get money from it, but they're not. This isn't like a full-time gig. Like that. So I was just checking some of the songs they covered on the cover-up. I mean, no easy way out. Is that the, the one I'm thinking about from Rocky Four? Because I will be listening to that. I, oh, I don't tell you probably. I, I drove all night. <laughs> you bet your sweet ass it is. Prince of the I drove Universe. All night on there. Princess of the Universe is superb. That's Total, one of my favourite Queen songs. Total Eclipse of the Heart. Oh, a thousand times, yes, I'll be listening to this. Danger Zone, cover, of course. Their cover of The Trooper is amazing. It's oh, almost as good as the original Iron Maiden song. So I'm just going to have to give one of these a quick blast. <laughs> yes, that is from Rocky IV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, you do love the Rocky movies. I remember I you saying you do love the Rocky movies. I will be, I'll be listening to that tomorrow. Yeah, um, they also released an EP, The City Made Us, which is basically a song from Act 3 that's going to be coming out. So they are releasing, they have got the album kind of there. It's just taken Mm. years to get it out the door. Is it become their Chinese democracy? It really has. It is their Chinese democracy. That didn't end well for anyone. I mean, I I think that the plot is going to be resolved in a very satisfying way, and the song is going to be banging. So I don't think it's going to be the disaster that was Chinese democracy. (laughs) But yeah, uh, Proto Man, if you happen to be listening to this, which isn't impossible, oh, yeah. please get out Act 3 out at some point. 
because a lot of people are waiting on it. And you, we, we are not entitled to your work, obviously. We will be patient. But, you know, we make so many people happy. It'll Get your axe happy. out, mate. Oh, they've done <laughs> in the air tonight as well. Of course they have. Of course they have. Superb. Yes, yeah, if, if your listeners take anything from this, it's basically the proto-man are weird and fun and go listen to everything they've ever done. Mm-hmm. I think that's the message I would like to impart the most. I think you pretty much summed up the album by saying it's weird and fun. Yeah. I mean, just... It is both of those things in spades. Just focusing on a couple of other songs again. So give us the rope. We've got drums and strings. But I thought it sounded a little bit like Shimmy Shimmy Ya by Old Day Bastard. Just had that. Uh, then you got full blown like Russian opera sound in there, which is pretty big for a, a song about just handing over a rope to hang someone. Well, they don't fuck around. No, it's it's pretty big. It's brazen. Yeah, I don't yeah, even know what. I mean, Adam, you said that this was like a proggy thing. I don't know what genre this would fit in. No, I don't honestly really. don't. Uh, I don't know what genre it would truly fit in, but I know that I feel fairly confident in saying that the good people at Prog Magazine will have heard it and will have reviewed it because um, it is the, the the outlet of choice for anything that doesn't really fit in with any sort of recognised chart. And also there's an awful lot of instruments that are played to a very high standard on it which is, a lot of the time. Is it needlessly complex? Yes. Then people that like prog will enjoy it. Good. I I never saw it as a prog thing, but I'll take that. That, that makes that tracks with me. Absolutely. Well, and then the whole concept thing as well is the uh, prog, oh, yeah, the prog. prog community do enjoy. Yeah. I'm surprised yeah. that there isn't more crossover with like the musical theatre community because if you listen to a cast recording of something. Like you're kind of having to do the same kind of things when it comes to like piecing together the plot or themes of a concept album from Prog World. You know? Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think it, the fact that you know Jim Steinman and Meatloaf both came from a background in musical theatre before doing Bad Out of Hell. Mm. I didn't know that, but that makes sense. Doesn't it make such a lot of sense? Oh, yeah. um, it's exactly the same. The exactly the same people that liked that would like this if they gave it a chance. Yeah, and think, every single yeah. person that bought Bad Out of Hell and really dug it would probably like this. Yeah, and conversely, I think that anyone who likes Les Miserables, I can't say the words, but you know what I'm referring to. I think they would dig this too, because it's there's a bit of there's a bit of Jean Valjean and Javert. Oh yeah, absolutely. When they're doing their fire. dual dual yeah. logs and dual back and forth singing over Emily's body, is like, that's literally a song in Les Mis. See, this is why I'm saying that this should these the, the proto men should be a stadium act because they've got such wide appeal if you think about it, and also, or even just as a musical theatre thing in London, like the proto men doing the whole act one, two, and three eventually, with different actors for different parts and stuff. I could see that happening, and admittedly, it may only be me that shows up, but I'll have a good night, and that makes it worth it. <laughs> Absolutely. I, mean, I wouldn't travel to London for it, but certainly if they tour the provinces, I'd go and watch it. Looking at like live vid- live videos of the Proto Men that they're out there, like with uh, Magfest 2020 is one that I've watched a fair few times. There seems to be a few thousand people there. Like mm. their gigs have potential to be quite big, but they are a cult band. Like they're not going to oh, yeah. get more than a hundred, couple hundred people in London. Yeah, they're, they're the, the cultiest of cult bands I mean, based on this record. If they just broadened their horizons out in terms of a theme and narrative, do you might... mean beyond Capcom? 
Yes, beyond the there are going to be intellectual a lot of people that do not get further, don't don't get past. Sorry, it's about a video game from the eighties. Absolutely fucking not. This, yeah. that, that will be in because I didn't know that when I listened to it, and I think if more people didn't perhaps know that was odd as well because. Having played Mega Man, this isn't what I would expect either. So, Michelle, when you tell me, it's like, oh, it's a, a band who, you know, does albums based around the world of Mega Man. It instantly conjured a sound in my head. This wasn't it. Well, all. I would have imagined something a lot more uh, bleepity bloopity. I was expecting bleepity bloopity, and I kind of wanted it. And so, when it gets Absolutely. a bit more synthy, if anything, that this probably left you cooled, cooled his ass <laughs> like his father done the names. <sighs> I'm not a huge fan of the Mega Man games. That was never my route in. My route in was entirely that they, that I love the themes. I loved how over the top it was and how big, fat, juicy lyrics like oh, the feather with minds, you know, that stuff was what brought me in. Yes, yes, yes. I, I don't think the people that <laughs> like the Proto Men automatically are huge Mega Man fans. Oh, see, that's where we, we differ then, because I came in as a Mega Man fan and I demanded. To have what I expected delivered, uh, and I take a minutes. second to imagine Mike with his arms folded in the middle of a <laughs> in the middle of a proto men gig, having never heard them going. Excuse me, excuse me. I can tell you your first this problem. Doesn't sound like it could be well rendered eight bit. <laughs> excuse me, you in the helmet. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I love video game culture stuff. Like I really do. That is a big thing for me. Like I love video game movies. Like movies based on video games. Of course, you? the bad ones, and especially the bad ones, which I will argue are good. Street Fighter, the movie, one of the best movies ever made. I will die on that hill. And I mean that seriously. <laughs> Raul Julia did. Yeah. As a final performance, I don't think he could have chosen any better. <laughs> Apparently, he did make that for his kids, but it was a gift. He's having not fun, though, he? But all of us. Yo, yes, Adam, he's having fun. He, he was enjoying himself. He was. He's, having, he's, he's got the best costume. It does, yeah. Yes. And the best lines for you, Bison, is the most important thing that ever happened to you. For me, it was just a Tuesday. <laughs> That's just brilliant screenwriting right there. And the and Bison how... dollars, which will be worth 10 times a British pound when he kidnaps their queen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, how could you not love that movie? <laughs> like, I mean, That's the how resident... currency works. You kidnap <laughs> yeah, the yeah, head yeah, of yeah. state, the currency goes right up. Yeah. I mean, it's like same with the Mario Brothers movie. I love that, even though that is a terrible movie, like mm. classically. <laughs> but I enjoy it loads. And that's kind of maybe my route into the Proto Men was like really enjoying, really so, naff attempts to interpret. I went into the Proto Men was Bob Hoskins in a pair of robot <laughs> shoes. <laughs> I, I think that the, the, the Mario, oh, I think that like the Mario Brothers movie must have been an influence into the Proto Men. Like, it must have been. It's like, okay, let's take what the Mario Brothers movie was trying to do with Mario and make it a Blade Runner, Jurassic Park, weird fever dream. Let's do that with Proto Men. But the problem was, what they made was good. Yeah. <laughs> At least enjoyable for me. Yes. Maybe just because in my head, I was expecting more Vangelis and it sounds more like Bellowhead. I'm not a big Bellowhead fan. Bellow, yeah, I don't Be know who Bellowhead is. Bellowhead, lots of horns. There's about 20 of them on stage. It's all very folk music yeah, sounding. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's all very jaunty Doesn't as well. Stuart McConey can't get through a radio show without playing at least one Bellowhead song, right? Oh, God. I've been to a Bellowhead gig. Did not. It's the only gig I've ever been to where I came out the other side of it less of a fan. 
because it kind of just irritates Didn't Bev me. Bevan play with Bella had for a spell? <laughs> he may well have done, yes. Good old Bev Bevan. Yeah. I don't think I've ever had that experience of going into a gig and coming out not liking the band anymore. No, the only time it's ever happened. I mean, what do yeah. they do? That's not true. Oh, no, you didn't like the band anymore. Sorry, yeah, though. I was going to say, what about Tom Waits? But you did still like him, even though you were angry, you were cross with him. I was just disappointed in Tom. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, th- to be fair, they just, they did their thing. They just... They bellowed, they headed. It's just, I don't know, there was just something about everyone just looked really pleased with themselves and it irritated me. And the audience around me all looked really pleased with themselves that they were there watching Bellowhead in their comfortable shoes and fleeces. And fucking hated all of them. There is nothing wrong with a comfortable <laughs> shoe and a fleece. <laughs> Accept it. You're in your 30s. You're allowed to wear. You're allowed to be comfortable. Yeah, that's the best thing about your 30s. You just don't care about that shit anymore. I was just, I was just judging everyone in the room. Who am I to judge? But I did. And, <laughs> and you know, they, I found them wanting. Every last one of them wanting. The only time that happened to me was when I went to see The Naked and Famous. Oh, was that bad? I mean, it weren't bad. It's just, I mean, for the same reason, like, they're my outlier, The Naked and Famous. We were talking about really? outliers before. They're my outlier. I don't really, I'm not really into, I, I like dream poppy. Oh, I like a bit of gazy stuff. And they're kind of on the poppier end of it. So they're not, I, do, I wouldn't think they'd be my thing, but they really were for a few years. Then I went to see them and just, it didn't feel anything. Like other people were really enjoying it. And it was clearly a good gig, but I think it's just same reason why I love musicals and love seeing metal and seeing punk and stuff. It's loud, big, in your face and wall of sound. Naked and Famous are not that. So the live act was more subtle in places and it just didn't. Basically, if it's not a bunch of people making a horrendous racket, I can't get into it. So I think the problem was with me. More than the naked and famous. I don't know. I, I I have some sympathy with that point of view because when I've watched intense, often men, intense young men earnestly playing an acoustic guitar, oh, yeah. it does make me want to put my wind face through a window. Um, whereas if there were, say, five of them and they were terribly excited, I am more inclined to enjoy myself. Regardless of whether or not I would have enjoyed that record at home in a live setting... The second one of them gets a stool and an acoustic guitar out, I'm out. Absolutely not. I just do love the image of you finding something so egregious. The only <laughs> clear course of action here, everyone, is me putting my face through that window. <laughs> I'm just going, ah! yeah, that's, a bit, that's a bit much, Adam. Like, okay, it's, it, it's not to your taste, but your face needs protecting. Well, then explain the cue for the plate glass window. There was a lot of us there that night. <laughs> Sorry, are you going? Oh, yes, please. So when someone's just like, oh, God, just go boil my head. Can you imagine the police turning up and saying, she appears to have boiled her own head. There's no sign of a struggle. (laughs) But she was listening to a terrible amount of Cat Stevens. (laughs) So, yeah, so Give Us the Rope segues very dramatically into How the World Fell Under Darkness, which has a lot of the sound of time passing because it's got the sound of trains and everything. Yeah, that's just I, imagine like a bunch of people like being told to go back home and having robots in their front room watching their every move. That's... For a second, I thought you were making a comment on Boris Johnson's announcement for yep. stay at home before the robots. Oh, okay, God. But, you, you best stay at home because there's a robot. There's, there's a robot. 
I mean, that's the next, that's the next policy announcement. He's basically <laughs> going to go full Dr. Wily on us. You can just see it happening, <laughs> can't you? Get some of his mates to make some robots through some dodgy contracts, and then they'll all be in our homes. <laughs> and that will be the main news stories. And it turned out that the government have friends making these killer robots. They're making money off it. Can we just address the killer robots? No, no, no. It's, it's come up in documents. His friend getting tax break for making the killer robots. Who's funding be... these robots? Uh, is this now transcending into a conspiracy theory podcast? Because that was not what I signed up for. But I am, I am in for it. If we're going yeah. there, let's do it. I think, I think we're through the looking glass here now. I think. Oh, yeah. it, I mean, he put his head through a window. <laughs> yeah, I didn't do it for nothing. <laughs> I did it because ah, I was following the lead. <laughs> I saw out. glints of silver behind the plate glass window and thought, well, what's the most logical way of investigating the source of this? Face through window, lo and behold, robots. Robots that were taxpayer funded, mark you. You paying for these robots, eh? I don't know how Dr. Taxes. Wiley paid for these robots. I don't know if that was a tax funded initiative or if it was a private Could enterprise. Could that be a starting point for Act 3? Maybe. I'm all about, like... Uh... Who's paying for these robots? <laughs> the good people of Staffordshire will pay not one red <laughs> cent towards these killer robots. Ooh, we ain't paying for these robots! Maybe that's the way Dr. Lai should have took this on, taken it through the course, being like, who paid for this? <laughs> yeah, the idea What's of going on here? Going, Sorry, what robots? You know! <laughs> and it builds to a climax <laughs> of a court drama for the last four hours. <laughs> yeah, then suddenly it's 12 angry men. But three of them are robots. <laughs> Nine angry men, three confused robots. And one furious cyborg. <laughs> See what we're doing? We're adding to the universe. This is what the album inspires. We're making our own, like, fan fiction right here. Oh, I yeah. cannot comprehend guilt. <laughs> Who is Emily? <laughs> oh, Emily. She deserves so much better. Emily. Oh, Emily. So I'd really like to know what Emily was like, what Emily's job was and what her role in like society was. There's more, there are answers. There are, I've got questions about Emily's I, backstory. I suspect that Emily was involved in uh, agricultural work because certainly uh, he talks about how strong men would not have been able to live like Emily. <laughs> Gotta say, your impression is really good. Like, <laughs> if you want to start a tribute act, <laughs> The proto people, but the tribute all, act. You all I totally want to do, do is his bits. I don't want to. Fine, I'll do Emily. <laughs> I can hit the gong. I have no musical ability, so I'll be the gong person. So there are huge swathes of silence. <laughs> <laughs> so just, just, ooh, just okay. And everybody, press play now. And we'll, yep, Emily. <laughs> I will learn how to sing and do music to make this happen. I will go away and I will do nothing else but learn how to do music to make this happen. Our proto men tribute band. Yeah, proto people. Yeah. Yeah. Have that panther the first. Yeah, misogynist dinosaurs. And we can make all the parts like women. In fact, no, I could, I have to put this out there. All the parts need to be non binary. That's me flying my trans flag. I promise I wouldn't do that loads, but I have to. It's kind of what I, I need to do. Yeah, you got to stay on brand. I have to stay on brand. So we'll make a non-binary interpretation of the Proto-Man's work called the proto I feel like if it. I announced that I was non-binary purely to get the part that I've already auditioned for, that's somehow worse. 
<laughs> I feel like that's appropriating something deeply held about individuals. I feel a lot of people would be very angry at you, and rightfully so. Yeah, so I think I'll probably just, well, even if I'm not in it anymore, I'll just keep, I'm going to keep going Emily in my own life. Right, everyone, I will, I will concede the part of Emily. I'm not the right person to play it. About, like, trying yeah. to, oh, God, we were shut down we before we even started. And I was involved. I should have known that going in. I really let the team down here. I mean, God. you were producing this whole enterprise and the two, you're the two first people you cast are not non-binary. So when you turn to this non-binary, we have to I would like to, to apologise to my community. <laughs> and I promise that I'm just going to stick exclusively to trans news forever now. I'm never going to go back into... Your short-lived foray into musical theatre production. Yeah, that's it. Uh, I've realised I've made some terrible mistakes and I want to apologise <laughs> to my community profusely and go back to the hell that is trans news. Well, at least we've got a recorded document of it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we good. could all look back on fondly. Remember the first rehearsals? Oh, yes. Now, I've got Great to say, that was the fastest cancellation that's ever happened in the history of anything. It got, got quite confusing quickly, didn't it? It did, it did. <laughs> oh, my, yeah. <laughs> Great days. <laughs> so, a generation passes and we get to breaking out. Now, people, just live, people just live with the robots? That's just, yeah. Uh, there, there are rumours of a red-eyed demon that patrols the streets. A young man named Joe attempts to escape and is hunted down by the demon robots. Yeah, the demon's the same one that killed Emily, basically. Bastard! Yeah. Yet we're in full-blown bat-out-of-hell country on this one. Oh, it's also mega Springsteen. The, the, the very hopeful sound of piano and the ooh ah, yeah. yeah I like that. But turn your back on well, the a young guy. He's trying to. Uh, he's all idealistic and young and dense. Let's be honest, he's young he's, and dense. He's is a he, foolhardy young man. Is he running away from the city? He is. So why can he not turn his back on it? Because it feels like that would be quicker. No, they're telling him the the, the singing robots. I imagine is some kind of chorus. Appeared behind the tree. Right, okay. They were like, "Ooh, don't turn your back on it." Some kind of warning. Do, uh, I read that as like. Do they do they do that conscience. with the finger? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, as all choruses should. Yeah, I mean, the, the chorus is his conscience. They're kind of like the Greek chorus. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, Joe seems like a good enough guy. He's escaping definitely, but I get the feeling that he's going to be uh, trying to turn things around. He's going to. Uh... I have a feeling the city. this isn't the last we've heard of Joe. I'll <laughs> <laughs> wager, you're right. <laughs> is Joe performing the guitar solo that wails? Almost certainly whilst on a motorbike. Uh, if you talk about Panther, I do not believe so. There's got like two other guitarists in the band that are probably doing all that stuff while uh, Panther is there emoting the youthful naive energy of Joe as he escapes the city and escapes the demon. So I imagine then when he's on stage doing Joe and Dr. Light, he's doing the kind of the old Tommy Cooper thing of switching around and he's got half painted one side, half the other. So he's got half a helmet on or something. Honestly, from the live acts, the live videos I've seen, not really. I mean, he's missing the, a trick. Well, the audience already knows he's doing Joe. Like there's a, 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 you could expect if you show if somebody shows up to a proto men gig, they know the plot inside out. So to a certain point, he doesn't have to. <laughs> I would, but I am lost. So what you're saying is he's preaching to the converted. It is such, it is quite a lazy performer. <laughs> <laughs> Response. 
I would say that you should check out Live in Tennessee, Live in Knoxville, and you'll see exactly what they have to do for a game. You'll find that if he were to wear half a suit, as Michael has suggested, in the grand theatrical tradition, possibly, though, he could do it straight up and Joe could be a puppet. Have you considered <laughs> that? Don't back on the city! Don't get back on the city! Well, when you have, like, uh, Turbo Lover... Love that they call themselves these things. When he's playing Dr. Wiley, he's wearing a grey suit and it's got W written on his face. Nice. So you know it's him. But now that Turbo Lover doesn't tour with the band as much, uh, Panther has to play that yeah. part too. he's just so too even... busy loving. I think he's like got a family and a job and he's just like, I can't tour anymore. <laughs> I can't do it anymore. Like I'll do gigs in, in Knoxville and I'll be on albums, but that's about it. I think that's So now he's Turbo partner and father nah, yeah he's he's a medium speed lover but yeah like medium speed lover when they're not too tired possibly yeah. at the weekend <laughs> yeah but yeah i mean like when it comes to the gigs they've become even more incomprehensible because panther now has to play almost all the parts except emily at this point when it Seems comes like to he life. really needs a puppet i think they really need like a cast of actors to come in and like portray the story in front of them mm. or just can... become a fucking musical the finger thing means money yeah yeah it's just like if cameron mcintosh i believe his name is the guy who makes all of the theater in london like seriously get on the phone with these people and make this happen for crying out loud like don't stop trying to make miss saigon a thing and just I'm make the proto men a thing so keep quiet the song <laughs> <laughs> Yep, you've definitely. That's that is a fucking great segue. So uh, keep going. Was hunted by the robot, right? That's what. That's where the, we're at in the story. In the Oscars of the city. Uh, yes, he, he realized Joe. He realizes he's being followed. He engage. He engages with machine in a fight, and Doctor Light appears and kills it. Uh, I like the extended synth opening because yes, of course I do. It sounds a little bit like John Carpenter theme scores. Yeah, yeah it does. Yeah. Yeah. And his voice is going full-blown Justin Hawkins again on this. Yeah, it, and again, it can be quite um, hard to differentiate when Panther is doing Light and Joe because he's playing both. I think he gets confused at times as well. Yeah, basically, anytime he sounds like Bruce Springsteen or Nick Cave, he's doing Dr. Light. And anytime <laughs> he's like anything, sounds like anything Me? else, he's Joe. <laughs> Fun to do, isn't it? Carl <laughs> Bruce, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this is a seven-minute song, isn't it? It is. It goes on a little bit. I mean, I do like how off the wall the electro crescendo at the end goes. But it's also got a bit of like a '80s sci-fi cartoon vibe for me. Something like Jason the Wild Warriors, and something like that. Gnarly. Um, yeah, it kind of reminds me of things like that a bit. Oh, it is. It for me. It's like breaking out and keep quiet, sort of leading into Light of the Night, which for me is the highlight of the album. They sort of serve as a preamble, so it all sort of starts to build up from Joe entering the frame, breaking out the city, keeping quiet to avoid the robot, and then Wiley coming on the scene, and then it explodes in Light of the Night. That's so I kind of see them all as kind of one song. Yeah, it's like a big suite of songs. Yeah, it's the, yeah. the, the action electro suite. I think Light Up the Night really reminded me of, I don't know if you remember the Raccoons cartoon, but it, the end credits finished with the absolutely boss song, Run With Us. 
do 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 run with us we've got everything you need yeah reminded of that which is which i can't i can give no higher praise i mean i don't remember that but i remember the raccoons and i wasn't expecting that intellectual property to appear in this I mean, podcast but... given what we're well, talking about mike is actually <laughs> in the middle of working on a sort of bombastic rock musical about the raccoons um performed Probably. by people performed by robots <laughs> yeah uh sung from the first person narration of cyril sneer yeah what is cyril sneer he's an aardvark come on he's a pink aardvark of course yeah i haven't thought about any of this in like decades this who has so strange? Who has three pigs as his henchmen? Obviously, yeah. And as as all evil characters, you know, in those cartoons, he's he's a millionaire. He's a very wealthy man. All he all, all he wants is to get those damn raccoons and their stupid little cafe out of, out of his forest. You've got to sort of admire the nakedly Dickensian naming of calling him Sneer as well. <laughs> You know what that character's about? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, Cyril Sneer. I wonder if he's the hero. Oh, I see. And he smokes a cigar. Yes. Good, good economical storytelling. Yeah. I mean, but a lot of the other animals seem to wear some form of clothing, yet Cyril does not, so he because basically just walks around naked. Cyril has got the sheer confidence. The chutzpah. The chutzpah of the naked millionaire. The naked millionaire. Yeah, so The Fall, as you mentioned earlier in the show, it's basically when Light and Job hatched a plan to blow up this transmitter, and then it just, uh, yeah, blows up and Joe's on it. So it's basically a song about him dying. Yep, falling to his death. It's very dramatic instrumental towards the end. Yeah, and that big choir, just all the way through. Like, it's, again, it gives me chills because I take it entirely at face value. Yeah, it's very, it's very big cinematic sounding, this one particularly. I'm guessing that, Adam, you weren't particularly fond here. Um, lost all track of the plot. I, I mean, I had, yeah. Well, I liked all of it, but I, yeah. Cards on the table, tracks one through six, absolute belters. And the rest of them may fall off my shuffle. But yeah, like, I think here comes the arm, which closes the, the piece. The, the yeah, reprise. It, yeah, it kind of, it, it's it, again one for me where it's just like, you've got to listen to this as part of the whole narrative. Yeah, yeah, of course. It, can't, it, can't, it doesn't work as a, just a, comes on your shuffle. And then it's just like, suddenly, you've got a little here from Emily. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun doing that. It uh, is fun, isn't it? It is fun. It's a bit of fun. Yeah. And then, you know, he's, but he's going to commit suicide, she said, Michelle, and then reads this letter from his deceased lover and then d- runs off into the night to continue the fight. Which and which would us... eventually lead into Act One. Act One. Yes. Where he yes, goes yes. off to make Proto Man and that all stuff happens. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it's sort of a. Here Comes the Arm is like a collection of all of the themes all the way through. Because again, Everything Light has done to try and make things better has resulted in horrible things happening. So you can't really blame him for being like, oh, well, I should just go then. Everything I've done (laughs) has made things worse. It might be the best thing for humanity that I die. I mean, you're almost word for word reading the lyrics there. I am? (laughs) Yeah. 
there's an awful lot about how everything I've done, I've done for, and then yada yada yada. So it's quite on the I'm looking at the lyrics now, and yeah, oh god, oh god, here comes the arm. Yeah, yeah, I'm seeing it. I'm seeing everything it. I've done. Everything I've done. <laughs> but the thing that, because to get a little bit personal, there were times over the last year where I thought about jacking in the podcast. That mm-hmm. I do, what the trance, because I didn't see its value and I didn't see, I thought it was an exercise in narcissism, basically me doing it. I got really dark at the end of last year, really deep. Like the podcast had to go on hiatus for like five months while I got my shit together last year. Mm. And I'm not saying that like I put myself entirely in Dr. Light's shoes as like some kind of wannabe hero of humanity. That's not how I see myself. But there was something about hearing Emily Stanton saying, the character of Emily in Here Comes the Arm saying, you know, the city needs you now. There's still hope to come along and all of that stuff. Basically get your shit together and do your fucking job. And that, that helped. That actually did help, in a way. As cheesy and ridiculous as his album was, there was definitely a period where I could really relate to Light being be, and feeling like, oh, God, everything I've done has just turned to shit. It's all pointless. Trans rights are fucked. I'm just spreading terrible news and polluting people's minds and making people mentally ill, probably, by telling them just terrible news all the time. So I should just stop. And then hearing that and sort of reading messages of what people have said about sent like you know saying what they like the pod and stuff is what brought me back to it kind of so this album definitely has a personal place in my heart and that definitely came out through here comes the arm obviously you two listening to this as a weird mega man thing may not have the same personal attachment to it but that's what i'm just being honest like there there were times where this album definitely picked me up and here comes the arm was one of those songs that did that I mean, did you get did they did you get that feeling from it? <laughs> Placing your personal shit on the album itself? Um, no, but definitely not for you, Adam. I know. No, but I. No, I think when I listened to it, I was I'm pleased to say not going through any personal shit. Yeah, that's what I was, was going to say. Yeah, I was listening to this at a time where you know everything's basically fine. I, I have no real problems other than, you know, I need to get a bit of my roof fixed. That's, 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 as I mean, m- that's a problem. Roofs are important. Yeah, but it, I mean, it's, it's, it's not that broken. It's, it's basically fine. <laughs> that, 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 very much a metaphor uh, for the rest of my life, which is basically fine. There's, there's nothing wrong, really. And so, as such, I didn't get any of that from it, but I'm delighted that you did. Um, I, I listened to it and thought this is big and silly and I like big and silly music and as such I'm, I'm really enjoying it I didn't, this is the like, I think I didn't get fed up of this record Yeah. which I really have with some of them there have been some of the ones we've listened to where as we get closer to the pod and so it becomes more and more important that I just listen to that almost exclusively Sometimes that has been a real sodding trial. That was not the case with this. It was, oh, fantastic. I'm going to listen to Make It Red again. And I love that. I think there's something to be said for like an album being there at the right place at the right time. 
Yeah, I was very much more yeah. And I'm sort of, I mean, I'm very happy that the both of you seem to have been going through. Obviously, there was COVID, but it sucked. But it seems that both of you have been going through some cool times. Maybe if you go through some dark times, revisit Proto Men Act Two. You know, yeah. Maybe it'll do for you what it did for me. Probably not, because it's a very, very silly album. <laughs> but there's nothing wrong with that, though. And I think it might be what you need at a time. There's something. There's something really to be said from listening to an album, and you touched on it earlier, I think, where it is much like the MCU. It is a straightforward good versus evil. There are goodies and baddies, and it's also, it's emphatically, defiantly not in the real world. Yeah. Where you don't have to fight a battle every single day with people that somehow feel they have the right to debate your existence. You could just exist and listen to it and go, yeah, this is this is really, really a superb piece of escapism. And I'm, you know, I'm, I apologize if that's a very simplistic reading, but I think this. Oh, no, that's exactly what it is. Like, I'm not going to lie, watching Endgame and all of the stuff happening in yeah. there, I was very much like taken out of my own world in a way yeah. that was very useful. And I think Proto Man did that too. When I am feeling particularly, it's like, I, I reread the Terry Pratchett's novels virtually every year. I'm doing all of them again at the moment. And I'm always sort of sad when one ends because I think, oh, fuck, I've got to leave the disc world. I don't really want to because it's better there <laughs> in some ways. Uh, but so I, I, I'm, MCU does exactly the same thing. You know who the baddies are and it's great. Um, that I definitely got um, mental health support from Pro Man Act 2 in ways I wasn't expecting last year because last year very weird year for everyone yeah. i think everyone went through a lot of stuff that they didn't necessarily expect or see coming i mm. had a bunch myself and the proto man was right there when i needed it to and i think that's kind of summed up what i got from the album in the final song where it's just like look there's been a lot of failure but just get up get just back up get back up don't turn your back on the city don't turn your back, don't on, the turn city. back on the city exactly don't turn your back on the city <laughs> So we can build cities in a day. <laughs> so it sounds like we're comfortably keeping Act Two, the father of, of oh, death. Oh, I think so. Yeah, the party. Yeah, and God, I I hope if if you if uh if you'll have me, I would love to come back for Act Three when that comes out in twenty years. Oh, Done. it's a date. <laughs> <laughs> so what's everyone's best track then? I mean, I've been, I've, I've spoiled this part of the podcast by saying Light of the Night is mine by far. We already know mine. So what's yours? <laughs> what is yours? The Good Doctor. All right, yeah. <laughs> uh, I do like The Hounds. It's yeah, just... I will say The Hounds is comfortably in second place because it's a glam rock stomper. Yeah, it's just fun. I like it. Anything, anyone you could do about giving it a part of a piece? Take Break that one. Out. Yeah, I like yeah. break. I like breaking out. I can't think really, of one to lose. Really, you don't so... like breaking out? That's one of the best ones. No, it's so Bruce Springsteen. It was that's really great. <laughs> hmm. 
I'm trying to think of one that I could do without, and I don't think I can pick one. I mean, I'm going to try because that's the game, and I don't want to be that person. But <laughs> I mean, I think we'd probably all agree that we could lose the intermission, right? Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's the one. Intermission could probably that's the right. sacrificial that's, that, that's an easy one, though. <laughs> all right, if I absolutely had to, it would probably be. Uh... I guess keep quiet, maybe. But then yeah. I don't think that would work. The, the whole album would suffer if that left. That's the problem. Get rid. Get rid. Uh... But yeah, if I had to keep quiet, it's probably the one I would lose. But then again, it I like I've just said, it's seminal because they all are. If you lose what if you if you lose one, the plot makes even less sense than it would do anyway. <laughs> what about you, Mike? Uh probably give us the rope or how the world fell under darkness. Oh, I really like give us the rope. Oh, you married then. Uh <laughs> it's weird. Like I love the whole it's thing. Mike. <laughs> Mike's a big fan of the second half, and Adam's a big fan of the first half. It, this is a unique dynamic. Has this ever happened yeah. on the on good on the uh, listen party pod? Oh, we've disagreed quite a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I know we have. I mean, when Adam the, chooses to be wrong, the album that I brought, uh, a Kevin Ayers album, was uh, not popular with old Mike. You still had, don't seem to have fucked off, Adam. <laughs> yeah, I think I believe you said it was insufferably twee. <laughs> That's not something I'd say. So, Michelle, thank you so much for joining us at the party and bringing yeah, proto much, men Michelle. into our lives. Oh, God, thank you for introducing me to it. You're it's very been welcome. Thank such you a for... lot of fun spending time with it. Thank you for listening to me say really strange things about how a cult weird Mega Man thing genuinely helped me survive COVID 19. You're more than welcome. A genuine <laughs> pleasure. Is there anything you'd like to plug while we're here? I guess i got to plug uh, what the trans, if you happen to be trans out there in the UK and you need uh, some assistance uh, dissecting the news in a way that mo- won't make you want to die, uh, check out what the trans on any podcasty thing you have. we got whatthetrans.com. we got whatthetrans.medium.com where I spaff out blogs and analysis and stuff. We're on Twitter at whatthetrans. Yeah, that's about it. That's all i got going on. <laughs> Good stuff, and do give it a listen, everyone. It is a fantastic show. Yeah, it is. Oh, thank you. And so, the last bit of admin for us, Adam, is to spin that good old wheel. Spin it. Adam. Oh, what's a sh- what's a shock? It's Adam's turn next, isn't it? Ben? And Adam. Yes. What can you top Kevin Ayers with? We're going to be listening to This Nation's Saving Grace by The Fall. Fine. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> the f- I know that I have not got a thing. Uh, I'm not involved in this at all. I will not be on it. But aren't The Fall... I'm surprised you're covering The Fall. Why? I don't know. Just I didn't expect uh, them to be... I don't know. I just Adam, didn't see Adam that coming. Adam likes The Fall. I don't. Well, I'm not a huge fan. I'm, they have an intimidatingly large and varied back catalogue. They do. Some of which is unlistenable dreck. But I think this nation saving grace is really, really good. Particularly gut of the quantifier. Good title. Yeah, it's good. You know, I'll I'll, I'll listen, and then I will tweet at you annoyingly about it after that. If you want drops. to listen to an angry drunk man from Rochdale slur. 
over some driving chaotic rock music, then strap in. Oh God, I'm trying to find the album on the Spotify. They've got billions of them. Jesus, they, really never they have. And can I just suggest, do not try and listen to all of it. Some of it is fucking awful. <laughs> what was it uh, John Peel said? Uh, always oh, different, yeah. always the same. Yep. About right. Uh, they're always <laughs> different and always the same. <laughs> I'm literally paralyzed by the choice. The I need to all there, yeah. <laughs> well, I'll I'll listen to that. Um, you listen to that. I'm gonna work on a John Peel impression and we'll <laughs> Until next time. Uh, coming up next, we've got this nation serving grace. <laughs> oh, please do come back and join us at episode 21 before this nation saving grace. This nation saving grace. This nation saving grace. And in the meantime, if you could please like and subscribe us in your podcast repositories of choice, that we would be charmed. Uh, we would be enchanted <laughs> if you did that. Please, please. <laughs> uh, if you want to uh, hit us up with anything, any suggestions of anything you'd like us to play at the party, you can find us on Facebook. We're on Twitter at Party Listen. We're on Instagram for some reason. We're email at listenpartypod at gmail.com. And... Until next time, when ah, we're going to listen to the fall, everyone. Uh, I would bid you good night and goodbye. So, adieu. Bye, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>